0: The Ravens and the Bengals meet tonight. It's a matchup that lost a little bit of juice, a little momentum uh, when they both lost last Sunday. But we're looking forward to this, especially considering we were you know, forced to view uh, the uh, the Bears and the uh, Panthers last Thursday night. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined in the zone by Luke Jones of WNST.net in uh, Baltimore. Luke, we've been doing this enough years. Uh, you probably know where I'm going to start with this, but I'm going to start with Sunday looked like the Ravens were headed to a fifth consecutive victory before they blew the the two-score lead at home against the Browns. What was uh, the biggest reason for that fourth quarter collapse last Sunday?
1: Yeah, I mean, you just said it. Unfortunately, it's become a a familiar story for the Ravens, despite how many games they've won the last couple years. When they've lost, it's kind of been in this fashion. But Bob, I, I think the biggest thing that was concerning for the Ravens was just how poorly they tackled. I mean, this has been such a good defense this year, and even in recent years where their defense has still been highly ranked, if there was something that you could point to, you'd say, okay, maybe the tackling not as sound as it needs to be. And it had, it had been that way uh, through their first nine games of the season. They had tackled extremely well, and they didn't tackle well on Sunday. So Cleveland, with their ability to run the ball, and Deshaun Watson kind of turning back the clock in the second half, even with – uh, this shoulder injury, as we all came to find out uh, yesterday, uh, they just you know, they they were just too leaky uh, with their tackling. You know, the yards after the catch, uh, yards on the ground, and uh, give give Cleveland credit. I mean, they they were the more physical football team in the second half, and uh, this Ravens team that was feeling so great about themselves on both sides of the ball. I mean, they just. They could not make the play to finish the football game in the fourth quarter, and uh, Cleveland ended up uh, coming back and beating them. So uh, a lot of frustration, but in terms of the X's and O's and not the psychological aspect of these blown leads the last couple years, I really do point to the tackling and just uh, they, they missed too many tackles, uh, allowed extra yards time and time again, and Cleveland really took advantage of it.
0: You mentioned uh, you know seven blown leads the last two years after the, you know leading in the fourth quarter that's tied for most in the NFL. You know, other than tackling, are there a couple things that really kind of stand out as constants here, or just uh, something different every time? I think
1: what's so frustrating about about it, Bob, is it has been something different. Now, I will say this: they've had some bad mistakes. You know, whether a costly turnover, a bad penalty some questionable clock management. I mean, it's it's kind of been all over the board. I mean, last year uh, in those fourth quarter-blown leads, it was really the defense, which otherwise had been excellent under Mike McDonald, but came up small late in games. Uh, this year, you know, uh, even though I would put more of it on the defense uh, late in Sunday's game, but, you know, it's been the offense that has played well through three quarters and not played well in the fourth quarter, whether you're talking about four-minute offense situations where they're trying to chew clock and protect the lead. Uh, whether it's an untimely turnover like Lamar Jackson throwing the pick in the end zone in in, uh, week five against Pittsburgh in a game that they should have won probably by two or three scores and ended up losing, Uh, I I think that's what's frustrating is that it has been different things uh, in these games. And, you know, for me at, at this point in time, when you're talking about six, seven different games, and mind you, a lot of these games with Lamar Jackson playing quarterback, you know, we can talk about yeah. late last year when he was hurt or the year before that, but it's just, it's kind of been all over the place and it's kind of been a collective team effort in any one of these losses where you, okay, you point to the offense, point to the defense. Special teams had a gap against Indianapolis back in week three uh, with some clock management on a kickoff where they called a fair catch uh, and basically gave the Colts an extra timeout. It's really been all over the board. So, you know, you can kind of look at that one of two ways. You can say, okay, well, it's not this resounding theme in every single one. So you could say, okay, it's not this chronic one fatal flaw they have, but at the same time, when everyone's taking turns, you know, you kind of look at the mental side of this and say, you know, is there some kind of block here? Is, there, is this team lacking a killer instinct, uh, you know, considering the talent level that they have overall, that they can build these leads but they haven't held on to all of them. Uh, that's where it's been really frustrating for this football team. And for me at this point, as the big picture going back four or five years now is uh, this era of the Ravens breaking through in January. Uh, We were talking about that being uh, an issue for this team, even before these blown leads of the last year or two. Uh, For me, I I, kind of do question the psyche, as good as this team is. My goodness, they look like the best team in the NFL at times this year, but why does this keep happening? Uh, Unfortunately, it's kind of been all over the place as far as a lapse here or there in any phase of the game that's costing them football games in these situations. Uh, whereas you know they're seven and three, they're still in great shape. But you could yeah. really look at this football team and say, you make one more play in those three losses, and you're talking about a ten and zero football team. But you are what your record says you are, and they're seven and three instead.
0: Todd Munkin's first season as the offensive coordinator. I know we talked in the preseason. But we really sh- weren't that sure how this was going to look because, of, you know, lar- largely because they didn't really, you know, do anything with their starters in the preseason. But we have ten games' of evidence now. So, how would you describe Munkin's offense?
1: I mean, I think it's been way more good than bad. I mean, you look at them right now; they're fifth in the league in points per game. They've been good on third down. Uh, even with a two- or three-week stretch where they really had red zone issues, I mean, their fourth in red zone offense going into this Thursday night game, so there's not a whole lot that you can point to and say, okay, that's been a major problem. Uh, just consistency in general, as I mentioned to you in some of these games that they've either let go or uh, in the case of when the Ravens you know, went out to the desert to play Arizona a few weeks back, if you remember uh, in the fourth quarter you know where they're letting mm-hmm. teams back in. You know, just finishing games a little more strongly, just being a little more consistent from, you know, the the, the opening whistle to the, the, the end of the fourth quarter. But I, I think it's been good overall. I mean, you look at Lamar Jackson, it hasn't been his 2019 historic MVP season, but he's having a good season. I mean, career high in completion percentage. Uh, you know, obviously the run, the rushing ability is still there, even if the volume isn't quite as much for him taking off as often as he used to. But, you know, by and large, I think way more positive than negative, just a matter of trying to be a little more consistent. And if there's something i point to here over the last two to three weeks, Lamar's missed on some opportunities on some deep balls. I mean, there was a, a wide-open Zay Flowers where they could have really busted this game open in the second quarter uh, against Cleveland that Lamar missed them. So little things like that but overall again you look at the numbers and hard to be unhappy with where they are with, with Todd Monk and I think just a matter of just trying to chase more consistency and see if you can reach your full full ceiling as an offense here uh, as they get you know closer to December and January
0: Odell Beckham has touchdown catches in each of the last two games uh, should we assume that he's uh, kind of recovered from the injuries of recent seasons now
1: I mean I I'm torn on that. I mean, I think, first of all, and I believe you and I talked about this even in the spring after they signed him, I mean, is he a $15 million wide receiver at this point in his career? No. Uh, and I think you, you kind of go back and look at this, the timing of that signing, which was uh, Easter Sunday, uh, if I recall, when they came to terms. That was still at a point where they were very much at a crossroads with Lamar Jackson's contract scenario, situation and the fact that he had requested a trade a month earlier. Uh, so I think – if you view it through the proper lens of that signing kind of being a, an olive branch and being something that helped them eventually get a deal done with Lamar Jackson, which I'll still say the Jalen Hurts deal had more to do with that than the Odell Beckham signing uh, in terms of upsetting the market, what it was ultimately going to be for him. But, you know, Beckham, he, by all accounts, he's been a good teammate. Uh, you know, he, he's been on the field more than they would have Many people might have expected, even though he has missed some time, missed some time earlier this year, he's missed some practice time here and there. But I think the big question is, can he win on the outside in the way that he used to? And that's where I think there's been some question. He kind of had that vintage touchdown on the slant against Cleveland, but by and large, you know, it hasn't been as consistent for him. Uh, In fact, here recently he's played a little bit more out of the slot, and there's been some modest success there. So he's not their true number one wide receiver. I mean, Zay Flowers is that guy but I think Beckham is good enough and it has been good and encouraging for him to get these touchdowns, you know, a touchdown in each of the last two games that he can still make some plays for them here or there, whether he's the number two or number three wide receiver. Uh, and I think there's still a thought that, you know, he can still help them. might be a big catch, you know, late in the season, if they're trying to, you know, playing for the number one seed or, or trying to you know, lock up a division or even playing in the post season, I think there's some thoughts that he can still help them. But, Clearly, the volume hasn't been there. Clearly, you know, he's not on his way to a thousand yard season or anything close to that. But I think the best way I'd probably put it is some cautious optimism based on what we've seen the last couple of weeks. But certainly, it hasn't been, uh, you know, it hasn't been the comeback tour that he would have hoped for from an individual standpoint, uh, statistically speaking.
0: Talking Ravens with Luke Jones, obviously, tonight's big game against the Bengals. Uh, When we talked in the preseason, we were wondering about the pass rush. (laughs) Well, the pass rush, they've been among the league leaders. In fact, uh, I know they entered last week uh, with the most sacks in the league. I'm not sure if that's changed after last week. But, you know, why have they been so good at getting the quarterback?
1: It really has been such a collective effort. And let me me acknowledge a couple guys right off the bat. I mean, Justin Matabike is having an excellent season. He's in a contract year. Defensive tackle who – you know, showed promise going back to his 2020 rookie season, and people had predicted breakout seasons each of the last two years, and it didn't really happen to the degree that it has this year, but he's been very good. So whenever you have that inside pass rusher for any defense, I think that makes a difference. Uh, you know, and certainly Jadavian Clowney with five and a half sacks, he's been a really big part of what they've done, and he's had a little bit of a renaissance after almost having the reputation of kind of becoming a run defender and not much more than that uh, in yeah. Cleveland here recent, you know, the last couple years. But I think it really other beyond those two, uh, singling those two out, it has been such an ensemble effort. It's been a collective effort. Mike McDonald with this defense, uh, they blitz, but they don't blitz at a Wink Martindale level of where their defense was two, three, four years ago. But between some blitzing here and there, stunts, you know, games with their defensive linemen, and a lot of simulated pressures. They are just so good at confusing quarterbacks, not just pre-snap, but even when the ball is snapped because they'll line up with, you know, sometimes seven or eight guys at the line of scrimmage. But they'll only send four, or in some cases they'll only send three, but you don't know which of those guys are coming. So Mm -hmm. it's really – They've done such a good job of confusing quarterbacks. And when you confuse a quarterback, when you make a quarterback doubt and he holds to the ball an extra half second, I mean, that's the difference between a sack and throwing the ball away or finding someone in the flats or whatever it might be. So it really has been such an impressive effort collectively. I mean, they you know, whether you're talking about defensive backs, corners, their inside linebackers, I mean, Patrick Queen at inside linebacker, one of the best blitzers in the league from the off-ball linebacker position. Uh, it really has been such a collective effort. So even though Matt Abike, you know, is on his way to a double di- uh, double-digit sack season and a big payday, whether it's in Baltimore or somewhere else, it really has been such an impressive collective effort. And I think the the, the term that Mike McDonald has talked about a lot w- with that front is unselfish. Guys playing their part on any given play to set up another teammate uh, to to bring down the quarterback. So, you know, they're they're not a team that's going to just line up and play with a a standard four-man front and beat you that way in the way that, say, the Cleveland Browns can do with Miles Garrett and Zadarius Smith. But it's just been such an impressive effort collectively. They really do play great team defense when it comes to a pass rush. And you don't normally think about a pass rush in those terms, but they're just so creative and so good with their scheme, and they've executed it so very well.
0: On the injury front, uh, corner Marlon Humphrey, doubtful tonight because of a calf injury. How big of a loss is it if he doesn't play tonight, and how will they try to compensate?
1: Well, I mean, it's definitely a loss. and I mean, I I couldn't tell you the last time anyone that was listed as doubtful played for the Ravens, so I'd be shocked if he's out there. In fact, there was some initial concern uh, when he went down last Sunday that it might be an Achilles, so they were happy that it was only a calf injury, Mm. although those can be tricky as well. So, uh, I mean, it's a loss. Uh, I mean, Marlon Humphrey missed the first four games of the season uh, after having foot surgery back in mid-August. And they did a very good job. Again, I talk, you, know, that you can sense a theme here when I talk about their scheme and how well they execute team defense. Uh, they don't ask their corners to do quite as much playing on an island as they did with Wink Martindale when it was Marlin and Marcus Peters as their two Pro Bowl co- uh, corners on the outside. Uh, but they've gotten a big lift from Brandon Stevens, a, th- a third-year corner who – was actually practicing at safety in the spring and the start of training camp. Uh, he's really uh, become an established starter on that opposite side. But in place of Humphrey, it's either going to be uh, Rak Yassin, uh, of course a uh, veteran who they signed right after the draft. Solid, but not a great player. Or it could also be Ronald Darby factoring in there. So it's a loss, no question about that. Uh, I mean, the Ravens typically haven't been a team that's going to have Marlon Humphrey travel too much, but you look on the opposite side, no T. Higgins, so... You better lock down Jamar yeah. Chase. There's no doubt about that. So that does worry you. But what we've seen the Ravens do against this Bengals offense uh, since Mike McDonald's taken over as the coordinator has been a lot of two high looks, a lot of forcing the Bengals, forcing Joe Burrow to take completions underneath, and then funneling to the ball and tackling. Uh, and I think you know that's, that's going to be the, you know, the, the goal again. You'd love having Marlon Humphrey out there because he's a very sound tackler in addition to being an elite corner on the outside. Uh, so that'll be a challenge, there's no doubt about it. But uh, as I mentioned with the pass rush, it's the same way on the back end of their defense. I mean, they're, they're going to have to play really good team defense, uh, a lot of two high safeties, and they're gonna, they cannot let Jamar Chase uh, get behind them because uh, we know what that looks like even if you don't have T. Higgins on the opposite side uh, if you're the Bengals tonight.
0: Yeah, the Cardinals found out about that when they played yeah. here, obviously. Uh, the other side of the ball, uh, Ronnie Stanley, uh, not expected to play. So, how are they uh, trying to get by without their stud left tackle?
1: Uh, unfortunately, Bob, as we've talked about on a number of occasions, it's something the Ravens are used to. I mean, it's just, I mean, uh, Ronnie Stanley, you know, I, mm-hmm. I commend him for making a comeback last year, you know, after having that horrendous ankle injury three years ago and multiple surgeries. But, you know, even when he's been on the field this year, he's not playing like a $20 million tackle uh, at this point uh, in his career. You know, he, he hurt his right knee, uh, which is the opposite, you know, it's opposite leg of the ankle injury uh, back in week one. He missed three games. So he didn't play in the first meeting uh, with the Bengals. It's going to be Patrick McCarry at left tackle, who, to his credit, did a really good job blocking Trey Hendrickson uh, in the week two meeting between these teams. So it's going to be McCarry once again. Ravens. Used a lot of quick game back in that week to win. You know, a lot of quick passing game because they were worried about that pass rush and they were missing Stanley. And also Tyler Linderbaum, who is becoming, rapidly becoming a Pro Bowl caliber center. He's healthy. Mm-hmm. He's going to be in there tonight, so that certainly helps. But with McCarry, you know, you don't have as much upside as, I guess, the idea of what Ronnie Stanley once was before all the injuries. But, you know, you'd love to have him out there. But Stanley, he's been inconsistent, and and, he's not playing at a Pro Bowl level even before this latest injury. So uh, I'd I'd love to sit here and say that it's this massive loss for the Ravens. And, you know, three years ago, four years ago, it was was a big loss. But considering where he is at this point in his career and considering how much I do think of Patrick McCarry, I think it is an injury that, yeah, you'd rather not have it, but I don't think it necessarily drastically changes what they're going to try to do on offense tonight
0: okay so throw us uh, throw us all together bottom line uh you got a score for tonight i do
1: i i like the ravens 23 20 as much as i just spent time talking about the frustration of these late you know fourth quarter blown leads and their three losses i mean reality is i think the ravens have looked the part of a championship caliber team for far greater periods of time in 2023 than the Bengals have quite frankly who have looked really good, looked like they were turning a corner, and then they lost to Houston this past Sunday. Ravens are playing at home. Short week is an issue for both teams, but I do like the Ravens in this football game with their defense containing Joe Burrow, not stopping him, but containing him as they've been able to do successfully uh, really the last few times they've played. So I like the Ravens 23-20 in a far more entertaining Thursday night game than last week or what we typically (laughs) expect out of Thursday night football. So that's a good thing for all of us watching.
0: That's right. It's good for the world in general. There you go. (laughs) All right, Luke, always a pleasure talking to you. I'm sure we'll catch up to you later in the season for sure.
1: Sounds great, Bob. Take care.
0: You too. Luke Jones, WNST.net in Baltimore. And uh, that was uh, difficult to um, watch last Thursday night. So looking forward to this. I wish everybody were healthy, but it's Thursday night, and there's almost never a Thursday night game that Anybody uh, is at full, either team's at full strength, and that's certainly not the case tonight.